welcome to Unfighting in Time, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and Dax Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Desiree Brandt as part of our series on IFMA, the International Federation of Muay Thai Associations. Desiree is the USMF team manager and has worked with the team for two years. Uh, but a little news and background first. Of course, I launched my Patreon already. Members get free access to all the content I create. We'll be only releasing half of my podcast content publicly. The other half will be reserved for Patreon members only. Uh, each month is going to be covering a theme. So it's best to hear all the content and the Patreon show will have additional content. The Patreon essentially acts as a paywall. Uh, if you're interested in a subscription, you can go to patreon.com slash onfighting in Thailand, patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash onfighting in Thailand. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, MattLucasBKK, or email me at a.mattlucas at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far with the podcast, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews on iTunes or anywhere else, and of course, subscribing to the Patreon. Uh, thanks especially to Patrick Rivera for helping getting this show started. Uh, he's at the forefront of developing the YDL in America, which is having the IFMA World Championships at the end of September. So currently, the USMF youth team is being recruited. If you think that you have a talented young athlete or are a talented young athlete, I would recommend that you apply for a spot on the team. In addition... Nakmoy Legends has given me a discount code uh, so that you can save on some of their awesome apparel. Just type on, type in on fighting in the discount code area and you'll get 15% off your order. In our pick a fight segment today, we'll go over the upcoming bout in southern Thailand between Rata and Jit Muang Nan, who recently won the one championship belt off of Joseph Haggerty against Sexan Orquan Muang, the man who yields to no one. To begin with, though, a little more information on our guest today, Desiree Brandt. Desiree Brandt, as I mentioned before, has been the IFMA team manager for the last two years. Desiree started training in 1997, and shortly thereafter, she met Dan Brandt, her husband. The two have been together for almost 20 years, I believe. Um, she had one fight and then afterward found out she was pregnant. After each of her pregnancies, she went back to the gym to lose some of the baby weight. But it wasn't until at the age of 28 that she really began to fight. She went to IFMA in 2012. But it was still very early days for the USA team. And Desiree didn't even realize that she had to weigh in every day. She fought France in the first round, got elbowed in the nose, started bleeding, ref called it off. But 
she continued fighting. She had a decent career for herself and more importantly has developed careers for others. Uh, she has been to a total of seven IFMA events and has helped manage uh, Dan's Gym in Mesa, Arizona, which has produced some very good fighters, including Desiree's daughter, Tiara Brandt, who in the IFMA Youth Championships has gotten two bronze medals and a gold. Tiara recently fought in Chiang Mai against a decent level Thai woman and has been tearing up the scene in boxing as well. Just a phenomenal athlete, Tiara, who has really capitalized off of the experience and knowledge of her parents, Desiree and Danny. So without further ado, my interview with Desiree Brent. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Desiree. Uh, you've been out here to IFMA seven times already. What has it been like participating in the different teams? Every team is insanely different um, from youth to adult. Sometimes I prefer the kids a little bit more because they listen a little bit better. Every, you know, adult teams, because they come from across the country, they're all really set in their ways. They're stylistically different. Their coaching styles are different. The way they train is different. Everybody wants to not do this or not do that or whatever. But the kids don't usually ever complain. They just kind of do. They're follow, very moldable. Very just conform. You know, yeah. okay, sure, it's fine. Why do you think that adults don't change? Is it just because they have, they're adults or because you think they're... Well, I think everybody in the sport kind of gets used to doing what they're used to doing. Mm -hmm. So whether it's pre-fight or, you know, wake up week or everyone has their own way of doing things. And out here, because we've done it so many times, we really know what works, you know, the early mornings, the midday practices, being together as a team. Um, it, it really does work, even though some people are like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to get up early again? We did it yesterday. It really is necessary to be because it's such a chaotic week, morning, morning, morning. You have to be at weigh-ins anyway, so you might mm -hmm. as well get up kind of a thing. So people like to rest. We get it. We want to rest. We're probably yeah. sleeping less than the athletes most of the time. But um, I think we have it down now as many times as we've been out here. We kind of know it works. Yeah, do you think that it's a structure or is it, you know, definitely the specific things you're doing that leads to some success? I think... The schedule that we keep is very important to be on a schedule. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes the training sessions will vary, you know, athlete specifically depending on what, you know, a few days into the tournament, the coaches really get a feel for what athlete needs what. So some will hit pads, some will just shadow walk, some will just lightly jog or not jog or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's very much, I think, just the schedule in general. This is your fourth? fifth time as a manager for the team or you've participated um, I think officially second second but I've I've been here as an athlete an assistant coach a spectator kind of every role you can mm -hmm. possibly have but I always kind of take just my personality I maybe because I'm a mom or mm -hmm. whatever but I always kind of just take charge so uh, last year's youth tournament was like my official like management Mm -hmm. okay. with the title you know 
And what was that like? You know, what sort of duties did you have? What sort of responsibilities? My job is to coordinate, pretty mm-hmm. much, because um, there is a lot going on between athletes that are fighting, athletes that are not fighting, meetings. Well, mm-hmm. We have a lot of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> we have such, like, this this year there's 42, I think, in the delegation, which is huge. 42 countries. No, 42 people that oh, we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're managing. Only 11 of which are athletes, 12 coaches, mm-hmm. and all of their entourage, media, staff, medical staff. Mm-hmm. Everybody. So everybody has a place to be at a certain time. You have to have somebody coordinating all that. So that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. Yeah. Why do you think this year the so many coaches came out? I think, you know, athletes are more comfortable with their own own coach for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I mean, I, I get it, but I think that will probably soon change just because it's not really necessary for everybody to have their own coach, especially because I think the USMF does a great job at picking coaches that know what they're doing, that have experience with IFMA, um, because it is a different animal. It's not just your regular, you know, American tournament or show. So you have to have a coach at the helm that really kind of knows how to win out here. I think having assistance now and in the past was to kind of train mm-hmm. some people to come up the ranks but I feel like every year it's just a different it's a different set so we don't have a lot of returning assistant coaches we do have a few mm-hmm. but not a lot that are here every time why do you think people aren't returning is it because they've got the experience and they go back or they um, realize they're a bit out of their depth or I think it's probably a bandwagon a, thing I, I you know I'm, I'm not sure I there's probably a lot, a lot of things that come into play as to why we do have a couple, let's see, one, two, three, I think, returning athletes this year for the adult team. It's not a lot. So mm-hmm. um, maybe some do, you know, get out here and feel like, like me, you know, like when mm-hmm. I, I'm like, there's no way doing that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, I'm okay with admitting that, but um, I don't know. It's expensive. I can yeah. tell you that. I mean, that's probably number one reason why most people even people that are qualified and capable don't come because they can't afford it and because it is expensive yeah for sure i mean i've talked to a few of the american pro athletes and the expense definitely Mm -hmm. hits a wall for them yeah but also you look at a lot of the successful american athletes they've done ifma a handful of times Mm -hmm. janet has participated three times Asa two or three times. Troy Jones has been on the team mm-hmm. several times. Been I think they know. I think they that level. Those level of athletes understand the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't change that it's so expensive. Yeah. You know. Because it's so expensive, how do you think that influences the athletes and sort of the terrain? Like as to the ones we end up getting. Yeah, like the yeah. ones you end up getting. The repeats also. Well, I think the ones that are truly, I feel like, you know, like Selena's back, mm-hmm. Angela's back, they're really on that hunt for gold. They've done well. I think that drive, you know, once you get a taste of it, you're like, I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. So, you know, they fundraise and they get sponsorship and they kind of help offset the cost. But I wish that there was more that, mm-hmm. you know, came back because it would make our job as a federation a little bit easier you know you get people and you don't have to go over everything from the beginning okay this Mm -hmm. is what we're doing 
you know, you just have those athletes that already know, you know, but re-teaching re everybody when we get here with a new set of athletes is always hard. Yeah. It's definitely like a pay-to-play oh, um, sure. sort of style. What, what do you think are some of the advantages of that? For the athlete? For the athlete and for the organization and sort of the sport. Um, well, I think, you know, the U.S. in general is trying to grow Muay Thai, you know, we're, we're never on the top of anybody's list when people, when people, uh, talk about Muay Thai talent, you know, I think the U.S. doesn't particularly be like, oh yeah, there's this guy in the U.S., you know, it's not usually what you first think of, so I think getting our athletes here and, um, letting them experience it and winning, because we're on a, we're on a pretty good streak yeah. right now which um i think probably surprises everybody um surprises me you know like just just with the lineup you look at it and you're like oh okay maybe you know maybe we'll do okay maybe we won't but mm -hmm. we're at, we're doing well so that's always good and so to get that kind of momentum early on in the tournament really helps i think getting people winning meddling and then making people notice us is going to be important as mm -hmm. as we grow as a sport in the U in the u.s what do you think some of the disadvantages are for the pay-to-play model, especially for something like IFMA where it is expensive? It's about well, $800 to nine, I think it's $900 just for registration. Mm -hmm. Then the flight over here, you're basically <laughs> looking at two grand. Yeah, and even so, like, even so... That whole um, registration fee includes a lot of things. It's meals mm -hmm. and transportation, but like this particular tournament, we're taking, we're throwing the whole team in a taxi, mm -hmm. you know, to and from because to save time or maybe there's not a bus at that time. They're not eating because mm -hmm. they're, some of them are cutting weight. They can't eat just regular buffet food. So it's food, it's getting around town. It's a lot of things. So it, it, it probably is, ends up being for a single person more than yeah. two grand, but I think having the pay to play i think we we don't get a lot of athletes that we probably could that would do really well out here mm -hmm. um some even some that are big bigger names you know a lot of our pro athletes don't come because they want to be paid to fight not pay to fight <laughs> yeah. you know so especially when the dollar signs are that big mm -hmm. so i think our team could be much stronger but we're lacking because of funding People can't afford it yeah. yeah how do you think that's can change do you think the sort of funding aspect of it will change at all yeah i mean i i know we're working on it i know usmf we're constantly brainstorming how to that's a lot of what our meetings are about how are we gonna raise more money so mm -hmm. that we can afford to at least pay for athletes flights maybe they only cover their registration and you know we get them here or vice versa mm -hmm. but it's gonna take a long time to raise money like that and then do it every year for a couple of teams a year. You know, this isn't the only tournament we do. We have the youth tournament mm -hmm. coming up. Um, I'm leaving for Korea, you know, in the end of August. So that's another one, two or three times a year, 10, 12. The, the youth tournament is looking like we're gonna have 20 some odd athletes. Wow. So going to Turkey as mm -hmm. well, which yeah. I, I don't know the economics of Turkey, but mm -hmm. I assume it, is more expensive than I would, Thailand. I would think so, yeah. You know. I would think so. I haven't gotten those numbers yet as to what we're going to be Oof. looking at, but 
we'll yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's also crazy just from an economic point of view, $2,000, you know, that's basically a month out here in yeah. Thailand training twice a day. Mm-hmm. You get at least one fight, maybe more if you're like smaller, or, you know, yeah. you're fighting somewhere not very good. What do you think are some of the good things about going that route versus doing IFMA or doing like a more pay-to-play? I get, both of them are basically pay-to-play, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, moving out, like just moving out here for some people isn't a feasible option. You know, some people I don't think can wrap their brain around like just leaving everything and, yeah. you know, because it's how dedicated, how dedicated are you? Like... You know, where is it going to take you? What do you want out of it? Like, are you really ready to just up and leave your, like, regular job? Some people, you know, have that everyday schedule. They like getting up going to work and doing Muay Thai at night. You know, not not necessarily going to get you to the highest level of competition. So I think it's a matter of, you know, the athlete figuring out what they really want out of it. It seems to me at least, like, there's two paths in America. It's like, okay, you... You go, you start off, you do the regionals, you go to TBAs, you Mm -hmm. qualify for IFMA, you do IFMA, and then you basically have a choice. You can either, okay, decide to come out to Thailand long term, Mm -hmm. which very few people are doing. Right. Um, Topic has done it or is in the process of doing it, or you stay in America and you hope for the best and do like IFMA. You know, yeah. until maybe something opens up for you. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the, you know, the two outliers. The yeah. two success cases are Janet and Topic. Mm-hmm. You know, Janet has a career back home, so yeah. she, Ifma is like the best option for her. Mm-hmm. Well, or, now she's got one, and yeah, she's now, often. So yeah, and great. now she's on one and doing great. And yeah. then Topic has come out here like multiple times for extended periods of mm-hmm. time, and that's his route yeah in general it sort of seems like a lot of americans are not making either choice no yeah they're just kind of straddling the fence a little bit but or just indecisive like don't really know what they want out of it i mean it's probably a hard choice i mean i was never really i don't know if my life was a little bit different and i didn't have babies so young and i could have who knows you know yeah i got 15 fights or whatever and then was like okay you know but by that time I was 32 like you keep fighting after that it's like I mean I think it's interesting as well because you're still in the sport you're still coming out here to things you're Mm -hmm. still like you're much more involved than a lot of American fighters yeah well my life I mean (laughs) I feel like Muay Thai probably saved my life a lot of people probably say that but you know, I met Dan there at the gym. Mm-hmm. We have like this, people tell me all the time, this very rare love story. You know, we have high school sweethearts. Yeah. You know, we spend every waking hour together and we don't want to kill each other. Sometimes, but yeah. not all the time. <laughs> he's, he's not dead yet. There's yeah, no still bloody white t-shirt in the corner yeah. somewhere. It was rough. I mean, when we were younger and I was pregnant all the time, home with babies, and he was at the gym, you know, my mom used to get on me a lot, you know. He needs to be home with you. You know, I always supported everything he did. So our life is very much intertwined with Muay Thai. I think without it, we wouldn't know what to do, you know. So we give back, you know, Uh we give back because 
it, you know, it's built everything that we have pretty much. I mean, it does not, we're not making money. We're losing yeah. a lot of money actually, mm -hmm. you know, spending every, you know, every time we come to IFMA, it's times two right. or times three if we have tea, mm -hmm. you know, so we're blessed in the sense that we can do it, but I don't think that we would, I think if I had to give him an ultimatum, like no more Muay Thai, he would, he would divorce me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least you know that's, like, yeah. the boundaries. Yeah. But we've built our lives around it, so it's our friends, it's our family, it's, mm -hmm. a, you know, so I mean, like it that way. Of course, you have the three daughters. Mm -hmm. One of them is Tierra, who's participated in the youth tournaments three, three times. Three yeah. times? Mm -hmm. Two times bronze, medalist, one time gold. One mm -hmm. time gold. What do you think being involved in IFMA has sort of helped her or guided her in her career? I think the first time we came out, originally we weren't going to bring her because she was she only had like ten. I think Dan and I fought about this the other night how, how many fights she had when we finally brought her, but it was just ten. And the team was already selected, and we'd already told her no. I'm like, You're not experienced enough. We don't want to send you out there and see you get murked. You yeah. know, like that's <laughs> you know. So we were very much aware, um, but she begged and pleaded, yeah. and she's like, oh, she just really felt deep down that she deserved to be here so we brought her and the spot she had originally or should have been fighting at was already taken and i told her like you're gonna have to fight up and wait because you can't just bump a girl out of her spot that's not the way things work so we brought her and she fought at 60 kilos and she did really well yeah so we've just been coming back ever since but i think that first tournament was like holy crap i got some work to do so mm -hmm. i think it just drove her and she hates to lose. She's a really bad loser. She, <laughs> so when she won bronze, it was really rough for her. And then she won bronze again and the she second was even year. More mad. And she was even more fired up because it was she, like almost there. Yeah, almost and the fight there. was really, really controversial. I mean, you can't protest fights out here. Um, a lot of you know Americans get a bad rap because they're always bitching and moaning. Oh, yeah. we got robbed. <laughs> blah blah blah. But. Um, also, it was a good fight, you yeah. know, so and I think it really every year just every every fight now because she's got so many really gives her something else to work towards. So she's been running strong ever since. Obviously, her and Becca have basically grown up at the same time in mm -hmm. IFMA. Uh, Becca is now signed to Gloria as a professional and Tara is still amateur. Mm -hmm. What sort of pathways do you think have opened up? because of their participation in the USMF and IFMA? Well, I mean, coming to IFMA for both of them, it gives them the m most fights they probably get all year in one week, even though it's a really expensive week, but at least they can rack up some ring time. Becca's doing great in glory. I think mm -hmm. the professional route was probably a good one for her. We'll, we will keep T amateur for as long as we can because she's boxing. Mm -hmm. um, USA Boxing allows her to fight. Unlimited. Yeah, she can literally fight every weekend if she wants. Um, so in those big tournaments that she is doing qualify her. She's racking up its a point system, so she racks up more points, keeps her in the rankings, which will eventually move her into whether she qualifies to fight at, for an Olympic trial spot. So. Mm -hmm. We'll see. She doesn't quite love boxing as much as she loves Muay Thai, but mm -hmm. at least it keeps her busy. And I think now, after um, watching her last fight, her boxing is helping her in some ways and hindering her in yeah. some ways. Um, I think 
it's hard to switch hats, you know, from boxing to Muay Thai, especially in like a two week period. She just left, uh, she'd just done a big national tournament and then in two weeks was in Chiang Mai, yeah. you know, fighting. So it's not as easy of a transition yet, but it's something she knows she's going to have to work on. Yeah, definitely the scoring is totally different. I mean, yeah. if you look at, you know, amateur boxing scoring is more like IFMA scoring versus Chiang Mai is more stadium style scoring right. and mm -hmm. that's an entirely different game. Right. Well, I think I think her boxing is really going to help her long term. Long term. Yeah. Um, especially if she keeps IFMA, mm -hmm. you know, in in her sights. This will be her last youth tournament, so depending on whether they keep the B class will determine how soon she jumps up into the senior division um, because I'm not sure that it'll be right out of the gate if she has to jump right into A class. She's just, I think, from a coaching standpoint, not quite ready for that mm -hmm. level. I mean, we watch her division and it's insane. She's in one of the, probably the biggest divisions. Is she in the same division as Chilmany? A little bigger, Yeah, she's right? a little bigger. She's so. Sophia's division. Ooh. Yeah, 57. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, I think, who are some of the other notable names? Yolanda Schmidt is yeah, 57 that, kilos. Yeah, she's 57. There's that um, Anel from France. She just won the four games. Oh, does she have no hair? No, no, no. She's a, um, really jacked. Yeah, um, oh, maybe I didn't see her. A uh, French girl. Um, actually, Sophia, I think, is maybe 119. Yeah. That's Becca's division. Yeah. But, so right now we've been watching it pretty closely that 57 kilo division and I, she will I mean she's strong but she's still only 17 18 yeah it's more here than skills you know so I think mentally and um, maturity wise we're gonna probably keep her out unless B class stays open and then I have no problem throwing her in we were gonna bring her and register her for B class this year but when we looked at registration there was only one country mm -hmm. and it was India oh. and it's just too expensive to bring her to fight, to come fight India. So we opted to send her home, and then we got here, and there was six. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, so she probably could have won gold here yeah. in the class. Um, so maybe next year we'll see. Because you've been out here so many times, and you have the gym back home, what do you think you bring back with you? Besides just more experience. <laughs> I mean, but that's. You know, yeah. What sort of experience do you bring back? Because I think that's what is probably the best part about coming out here, mm -hmm. both in terms of coming out here to Thailand and coming out to IFMA. Yeah. It's the repeated exposure mm -hmm. and the going back home yeah. and telling people or just knowing. Yeah. I wish more people would come out here. I think going back for us, especially Dan, from a coaching standpoint, it only helps our team mm -hmm. because he I think you know he's a mega brain when it comes to watching and learning he very much learns visually so I know that from a coaching standpoint I feel like he grows every time he comes mm -hmm. he comes out here um, for me it's just more of a knowing that we know what to expect when we come and the where we would like our athletes to be get you know I'm very much mother hen so it's mm -hmm. constantly telling them there's a much bigger world out there and you guys have no clue yeah. what's going on from a Muay Thai standpoint. 
you know, in our own little bubble, in our, you know, Dan's gym, you know, we're very competitive team. Our guys are fighting all the time, boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, you know, but just reminding them over and over again that this is where we're we're going. This is where we're moving towards. And if you're willing, we're willing to go Mm -hmm. with you, you know, but there's a lot that needs to be done. Why do you think there's so much of that big fish, little pond syndrome in America? I mean, I know, would you agree that yeah, it's there? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's very many athletes in America that are winning, you know, mm-hmm. blowing people out of the water, winning in weight classes they probably have no business fighting in, you know, and thinking they're top dog. Yeah. And then they come out here and they're, or if they ever come out here, a lot of them are like, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pay to go. But the ones that do end up here, I think that first time it's always a shit. Yeah. You know, which that's what we want. We want them to we want them to recognize that it's much bigger yeah. than what what they see. And we hope that more people jump on that wagon with us. Mm-hmm. Cuz the more people that do, the more opportunity we have from a, as a as a federation to make some more waves, you mm-hmm. know. What has it been like working with the USMF? I know you've just been 2 years officially. Yeah. What has it been like working for the organization? And it seems like the organization has had a huge spurt in the last year or so of growth. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Corley's working tirelessly. Marcy does, too. It's a, really a matter of just putting little pieces together, I feel like, daily. Mm-hmm. Every day there's something like meetings, you know, and then we have these brainstorms of all the, you know, all the Muay Thai brains around the country, especially when you get out here, because we're all together, which very rarely happens, mm-hmm. and we can kind of ping off of each other, but it's, there's so much to do from fundraising standpoint, from just websites to, you know, figuring out if we're going to sell some stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's just insane, but we're growing, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the more people that are helping, the easier it's going to be. What do you think is a easy, concrete way for people to help? Well, they reach out to the USMF, but there's there's a lot of people that do. They're like, well, I want to help. We need producers. Mm-hmm. You know, like we set goals and we have to do A, B, and C. And it's, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then it go, goes, goes quiet. by the wayside, yeah. you know, so. People basically saying they'll do things and then not committing to it right you know and and people have you know real jobs i have a real job like you know i have a family so i know it's it's hard but i think the more volunteers that we have that are going to be go-getters the the better it will be so it's just really trying to check things off the list yeah what do you think the growth of the USMF has done for the growth of Muay Thai in America? Um, I think it's at the forefront. I mean, it really needs to be. I know IFMA's different. It's it's just different stylistically than most people in America are, you know, what their idea of Muay Thai is. So mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of pushback from other organizations that are like, ah, Muay Thai's not IFMA style. That's not really what Muay Thai is, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's where... You know, if we're gonna head towards the Olympics, that's what we need to do. Do you think that the sport will get into the Olympics? And if it doesn't, what's gonna happen? 
That's a really good question. I, I think it deserves to be. Um, right. I mean, there's some Olympic sports where I go, what the heck? <laughs> like, there's speed walking, for God's sake. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Olympic speed walking. Uh, maybe they're really fast. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But um, from the sport, the actual like whole sports standpoint, I think it deserves to be. I know it's been a long journey they've been trying for a really long time i don't know that we're even on the map like, or for 20, who knows yeah i don't you know at this point i know the ioc's here this week so i know they're observing i know there's some stuff happening behind the scenes and you know we're always crossing our fingers yeah. but i hope so i think it'd be great but if it doesn't then you know we'll just still keep doing what we're doing yeah, we're I'm still gonna be out here fighting we're still gonna you know I mean, arguably, the IFMA right now is the Olympics. Right. It's it is. basically the Olympics of Muay Thai, but it just doesn't have doesn't, the five rings. Exactly. You know? And that's what I mean. Like, if it doesn't make it, we're still going to be here. Like, yeah, it's still going to be... This is the height of... Muay Thai. Competition. Yeah, yeah. internationally. So, yeah. So if you're here, you know, and you're fighting... You know, B class is great. Don't get me wrong, but if you're winning an A class, then you're doing yeah, something. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah. I mean, you look at Jimmy Vino is out here right now. Mm-hmm. He's, I fought yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a Lumpini champion. Yeah. He's Yatsen Klai has been on here. Mm-hmm. Andre Andre Kublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Superbon. Mm-hmm. Like these Jodwicha, are. Jodwicha. Arvid yeah. Dartmouthen was. Yeah, it's yeah, these the are names. like super top level guys, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the females too. Sophia Olsen, uh-huh. Becca, of course. Sasing. Sasing. Yeah. Chomani. You know. Yeah. It's like the. It's legit- the best of the best. It really is, and I know I, I think that's the part that people back home don't realize is you're out here fighting, pros. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it because pro means something different around the rest of the world than it does to us. To come out here and win in the A class means you're doing something right. Yeah, even to medal, I think is yeah. pretty massive. Absolutely. It's just I think it's difficult because the organization back home is so scattered. You know, part of it is the country is so large. Vast, yeah. But you know, you also look at a country like Australia. Yeah. Very very big country. They. I recently interviewed a woman who first came out to IFMA 17 years ago and mm-hmm. is still like recently got on the team yeah she lost in the first round but so she's, she's here again but she's here again yeah and she's like the 57 kilo WMC champion yeah back home in Australia mm-hmm. and you have to qualify to get on yeah. the team it's yeah you know, it's, di- it's really different in other countries and I can't wait for us to f- figure out how we're gonna develop like that like mm-hmm. qualifying tournaments and all that stuff but it's just it's, it's all over so the place all over the place yeah. right now mm-hmm. i think like the big issue is that not enough people are really committing it's exactly what it is to the sport and to you know it doesn't necessarily mean you have to uproot your life mm-hmm. to like move to thailand yeah you can like be involved in the IFMA scene like mm-hmm. someone like Jenna and have a ton of success yeah you know obviously I like when people move out here because I'm out here <laughs> and it's like you get your American fix you yeah <laughs> there's just like not a lot of Americans yeah. that do it Angela mm-hmm. Chang Topic you know Topic goes home and 
you know, Angela has been here for like two, two to three years. Mm -hmm. Willie Whipple has been out here for a long time yeah. on the Max Muay Thai scene. Nathan was out here for a while. He but was out living, right? Yeah, he was game. out here for like six, eight months. Well, that's still a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. And you know, you look at him being out here six months and how how much you can accomplish. Like the longer you're out here, the more yeah. you can accomplish. Yeah. Because I mean, even two, three months at a time. But it's like I said, people back home can't. You know, they still have to make a living. They still yeah. have to like. They still have responsibilities. So I don't know. Yeah, That's I hard. don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. I guess uh, I'm just like I did it. Why can't you do it? What's wrong with you? What's why are you wrong scared? with you? Yeah. Why are you scared? <laughs> Why are you yeah. scared? You scared, bro? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I was scared, too. Yeah. I remember, like, the first time I came over here. This was in, like, 2005. So, you know, three gyms had websites. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Just, mm, let's go here. Yep. Yeah. And I, I didn't have enough money. I had to borrow money. I got... Most people are just afraid to take the leap. Yeah. And that's really, I think... In all things in life, it, you know, big decisions are scary and people are just, some people are just comfortable just going to the gym every night and yeah. working out, you know, entering a training camp, fighting once, twice, three times a year if they're lucky and that's sufficient. Yeah. But that doesn't get you to this level, yeah. you know, and or to be able to compete with what's going on out here, you know, so. I don't want to like bash that because like doing that is important and it's good. Yeah. But, you know, I guess people just need to put things in perspective more. Mm -hmm. If, like, you are a person that's going to the gym regularly and just fighting, like, you know, less than six times a year, this is not really your thing. Yeah. You know. Yes, I mean, it's great to have hobbies. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Know. And there's a lot of things you can do to support the sport and it's mm -hmm. not like you're doing anything wrong. But you just, I just feel that at least Americans can be a bit delusional about their position. Absolutely, yeah. Which is a lot of, it's a lot of what we're work, trying to, you know, <laughs> we're working through. It's, and I wish people would just come out here and watch it. Like, there's mm -hmm. so many people out there. There's a lot of social media jabber about, you know, oh, you know, it, it can't be that great. Well, just come. Yeah. Just come and see it, you know. Schedule a vacation and stop by the tournament and watch, you know, for a couple hours and just see it for yourself, you know. Yeah, that might be one of the good parts about having all the coaches out here. And someone like Chris Tran recently yeah. came out mm -hmm. for the first time. And Chris has had the long-running promotion in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Just like him coming out, seeing everyone. I mean, you go to IFMA and there's like tons of sort of Muay Thai stars everywhere. Yeah. Sid Chai was standing right by the USA team and, yeah. you know, everyone was like, oh, Sid Chai, Sid Chai. Yeah. Sakman Cole's cornering UAE. UAE. I yep. mean, there's, Sang Ting Noi will be out here. He's all, you know, he comes out to just visit us, you know, but he's a, he's a name, you know, people, I wish more people would just come see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. I really think that if they did, they would have a different outlook you know let's talk a little bit about sort of the 
tournament itself. There's all these different regions. You said there's something like 40 countries. Or wait, how many? You didn't say how many countries there were. Uh, there's 102 countries. 102 here. countries. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've being out here, you've seen a lot of repeat countries. What are some powerhouse countries and why do you think they're strong? Russia's always a, a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, I think we're fighting Russia twice today. Maybe. Maybe that was yesterday. It all blends together. <laughs> Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, all really strong. E- the Eastern Europe bloc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the um, the stands are coming up. Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, mm-hmm. all those are really strong. There's a lot of, like, you see a lot of the same faces. The mm-hmm. coaching staffs don't change. They've been yeah. the same for years and years and years. Yeah, that's, you know, that test, I think, to some of our points before about mm-hmm. sticking with it. Yeah. And then the a lot of the youth coaches are here for the adults Absolutely. as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been to three of the youth IFMAs now. This is the fourth one I've attended, and I see the same, same. coaches. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's important, you know, because, like you said, the coaches learn every every time mm-hmm. they come out here. So the consistency is, I feel like it's key. You know, you have the same people here, and we do too. You know, Dan's this is his eighth one, I think. Yeah, um, that's Rom, so many. Rami and Aziz. Yeah, they're always they're here. They're always here. Patrick, he's yeah. always here. Um, Corley, of course. Corley's been in it for. Well, probably yeah. since he was fighting, and he fought here years and years and mm-hmm. years ago. But it's very much part of the winning puzzle is to have people out here who know what's going on, you know, who know how to score, who know how to win. Yeah. It's different. What are some of the different regions like in terms of style? Would you say that most of the Eastern Bloc is all the same, or are there um, differences between, like, Russia and Belarus? Belarus, I feel like, always straight punches right here Uh everything's straight kind of spazzy um turkey turkey i always blitz they always blitz you always know that's what you're gonna get right out of the gate and if it doesn't happen you're like "Eh, that's weird (laughs) but most of the time russia's really really strong with their hands as well they all have a little bit of their own you know style dan's got it down to science i think you know he always says he knows as soon as like this country does this this country does that not really my forte but the coaches know um they they study that's their job you know what do you think the americans do well do you think there's like a unified american Mm -hmm. style i don't think so not yet anyway um i would love there to be (laughs) but because you know a lot of our athletes are being coached from different strains and stuff but i think the ones that are winning kind of figured it out a little bit dan dan very much like our his style in the gym is a little bit more western style boxing Mm -hmm. heavy you know um because he loves boxing so much he's figured out a way to make it work i can't say that for everybody you know some people don't punch as much as, as we do i think the more that our coaches get on the same page eventually there will be an American style, but mm-hmm. I don't think so right now. What do you think are some of the important factors that about if my fighting out here that a lot of people don't think about or that we haven't brought up already? Like in what sense? What do you mean? It could be anything, you know. I know we talked about like the weight having to weigh in 
basically every day. Every that's, day. I mean, that's, that's hard. That's huge. That's huge. It's huge because back where we come from, people cut yeah, massive like amounts of weight. Yeah, like 20 kilos or something. Yeah, massive amounts of weight. And then and you can't do that out here, obviously. Yeah. So you're fighting in a different weight class than you're used to fighting most of the time um, because you can't realistically come out here and cut mm-hmm. 10 kilos and every day, you know? So that, that probably plays a, a huge role once people find out it's like everyday way. Because if you have a big bracket, it's at, you weigh in every day, yeah. you know? So some people are like, well, huh? You want me to do what? You yeah. know, I'm like, yeah, that's part of it. So we have to move them up in weight. And then it's like, I don't fight this heavy. And yeah. Because you're not fighting at the weight that you probably should be fighting <laughs> yeah. at. So, I mean, that's probably a huge, a huge factor. What about like the injuries? Because, you know, say TBA TBAs is maybe two three days mm-hmm. of fights so you might fight two three times like yeah. for the youth there's that kid Marcos who fought four times mm-hmm. in like four days is it Marcos or Caesar 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 yeah he's a yeah. G yeah. he didn't complain one yeah, bit so I was and like and he was banged up he was banged up yeah we, we could see it on his face but he never complained his last fight was against Thailand mm-hmm. and he did so well. I was mm-hmm. like, man, this kid has got it. Yeah. He just been too hurt mm-hmm. in the fight. Yeah, had he had he had that fight first? Yeah, he would have smoked the Thai mm-hmm. kid. The Thai kid was good, and he was banged up too. But yeah. I think either he had a easier route, or he had like a little bit more fortitude, because yeah. you know the Thai kids are fighting more regularly. They're used to yeah, they're used to that. Like because I'm, we're lucky. If we get, you know, out in the States, we're lucky. If we get three fights in a tournament, yeah, you know, that's not even really common. Like, TBA, the, the open class isn't very big, so you don't have that opportunity. Maybe twice, some, maybe sometimes three times, I guess, you get fights. I think we had a guy fight, not this last year, but the year before, and he had four fights in the that's weekend. That's pretty so good. that's pretty good to win that division, but... When you get out here and you have 26 guys in the bracket, you go, oh, shit, real quick, you know, because you have to crawl your way through. And that's really what we want. I mean, I would love to bring my guys out here and be like, yeah, guess what? You're going to fight six times, <laughs> you know, pick up, pick up your boots. Let's go, you know, but we didn't have a, like a lot of huge brackets. I think our biggest bracket this year was 18, mm-hmm. which is so that's pretty good pretty still. decent yeah a lot of the most of the girls have 14 and yeah. are in the semis today so that's awesome yeah obviously the girls are doing quite well this year I'm why excited yeah why do you think that is you know I, don't know, I think I mean I'm a, I'm a girl so call me biased but I think girls are just they just hungrier. want it more yeah I think I think that I mean that's my opinion but I, girl I fights, would totally girl, agree girl with fights that. I always feel like are bigger or better you know like they they're in there to bang it out mm-hmm. you know and, and and they're just hungrier they just want it more than most of the guys i mean some guys are in my I mean, i'm a mom so most most people younger than me are whiny <laughs> <laughs> so but um yeah the guys are softer for sure now. yeah i think so but um, the the little stable girls we have this year they came to fight so it's really exciting I mean, but you also look at the American landscape in general, and it seems like the women are doing better than mm-hmm. the men. I think so, too. There's more, 
like I can think off the top of my head, you know, more women that are potential stars that mm-hmm. have potential careers than men. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I mean, it, it's great to see because when I was fighting, I had to like beg and plead to get fights. Like I said, I had more fights fall off than I had fights total. So I think as the years pass, there's more women getting in it and staying in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have you. You always have that group of women that have three, four fights, and then they're done. Maybe five if you're lucky. But to get past that ten fight, ten, twelve fight, you know, fifteen, and start racking them up and, and staying busy, then and that's what we pretty much have here. The girls are we're gonna they're gonna win some medals, so yeah. it's really exciting. So just wrapping things up, was there anything that you wanted to, to talk about that we didn't talk about? Yeah, I don't think so. We covered it all. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time out today, Des. Got it. So that concludes the interview with Desiree Brandt. I thought it was super informative. There's some really good content. The discussion of pay-to-play is very important. Uh, I think it's something that is not really considered enough and understanding the dynamics of it, the pros and cons of what you're getting when it is a pay-to-play model, both IFMA and when you're coming out here to Thailand fighting professionally. Fighting out here professionally in Thailand, the cost is more opportunity cost for career and some lifestyle choices back home. But in the long run, it is developing your career as a fighter and potentially as a coach and having connections for future gym and Muay Thai business enterprises a lot more than staying at home. But staying at home in the States or in the West, you're having much more of a pay-to-play model. And IFMA, with its you know $900 entry fee, is definitely a pay-to-play model. Even when you're a pro fighter in the States, you're basically getting enough money to just pay your expenses, and that's a bit about it. Maybe if you're lucky, you get some money off of if uh, ticket sales. So I think one of few other things that were really important to touch on is the importance of consistency, uh, the rise of the women in sports, and then just some of the logistics about how scheduling is important in developing the fighters to do well at the games. So in our pick a fight segment, we're going to be talking about a very, very anticipated matchup between Sexan or Kwan Muang versus Ratan Jip Muang Non. Uh, both Bangkok stadium level fighters. Um, as I stated before as well, Ratan recently came off the one championship win against Haggerty. That was an amazing, very, very exciting fight. Sexton is also coming off of some international experience. I believe he lost his bout in Japan. So both of these guys are having more international experience. I would say Rateng has had more success internationally. Sexton is also slightly older. I believe he's in his early 30s. Rateng is 21 at most. I slightly favor Rateng for this just because he has youth and sort of that sharpness on the side on his side. Sexon though, known as 
the man who yields to no one is not a walkover, though. He's always done well, always puts on very, very exciting fights. The bout down in Songkla province in the south also features Panpayak Chipmuangnong, a stablemate of Ratang, who is fighting Gonar P.K. Sanchai, and Yodlek Pet versus Sangmani. So some great, great bouts. Um, I'm going to have to favor Ratang for this one. I just think the youth and his sharpness is going to pay off for it. But I can't really count out sex on either. I think I'd give it maybe 60% for Ratang, maybe 70 just because of his career momentum at this point. It's always interesting seeing these fighters develop over time as well because Ratang used to fight regularly on the Max Muay Thai circuit. I sort of remember him, but not that clearly. Just because of the amount of churn we have at Max Muay Thai, you know, just being there every week. Ratang was notable, but also you see so many fighters, if they're not on the circuit for a while, you just forget them. So it was very interesting to see Ratang then versus where he is now, which arguably he's basically he's at the top of the international game right now. Sexton, on the other hand, he's still very, very high level in the stadiums. He's been branching out more towards Japan because of the, his connections with his gym. He hasn't gotten into one championship, which may or may not be paying the same amount as the Japanese fighters. I would think that one probably pays a bit more than the Japanese promotions but might not be too much more. Regardless, this matchup between Sexan Orquanmua and Ratan Jitmungan on the 16th down in Songkla will be an absolute smash. So I'm very, very excited to see that one. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the podcast again. Um, if you like it, love it, leave a comment. Share it. Leave me a review on iTunes. Of course, you can also subscribe to the Patreon, www.patreon backslash I'm Fighting in Thailand. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can follow me on Instagram, mattlucasbkk, or email me at aperiodmattperiodlucas at gmail.com. If you're interested in apparel, Nakamura Legends has given me a discount code. Just put on in on fighting and get 15% off your order. This has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.